Good morning, Tri-Valley Church of Christ. My name is Kyle Sapp. I'm the preaching minister at the Cordova Church of Christ up here in Rancho Cordova, California. I've known Jacob for as long as Jacob has been a Californian, which is like a decade? I, I don't actually remember, but that's how long the friendship is. Like, it's so close, you don't even know how old it is. You just know it's good. Uh, and I am honored to preach for you and bring you a message from the scriptures and to help Jacob find rest uh, and uh, take a vacation. He loves your church so much. Uh, he talks about all the good things you're doing. Uh, and um, it's just so, it's so good to watch him uh, be your minister. He's just, he's a good, he's a great guy. Anywho, let's talk about Jesus. Uh, for the last um, forevers uh, of 2020, I was reading the book of Philippians. We did a small group study of it at my church, and then I turned it into a 17-week sermon series uh, for the fall. And I think it's a fantastic book. I chose it because the, there's a theme uh, of unity in the midst of strife in Philippians that oftentimes goes overlooked. Um, you know, Normally when you think of Philippians, you just think of, it's the joy book, but there's so much more to that book. And, and I wanna encourage you to, if you haven't found a Bible, book of the Bible to read just yet for 2021, um, maybe start with this book. And today, I want to tell you about a couple of themes that uh, are within this book that then kind of help you see why this book could be such a blessing for your life in the words that Paul offers to us. Now, I'm not just going to talk this whole time. Um, uh, as I introduce a theme and kind of talk about how it plays out within the letter, we're then going to move to a period where you have a chance to kind of talk about uh, either you know how you see this theme in your own life or how you can live out this theme in your life uh, in some tangible ways. I'm not here to tell you how to live. I'm simply here to tell you about Jesus and, and trust that the Spirit will give you guidance and wisdom and, and uh, throughout your week to know how to embody the good news of Jesus Christ. So uh, let's begin, shall we? The first theme that we're going to talk about uh, is perhaps the most obvious theme. It is found all throughout the scriptures. Perhaps you could even say it's found on every page of the scriptures. And that theme is the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. God is faithful to his people. He is the creator of the covenant. He is the way maker of the covenant. He is the way maker of salvation. God is faithful to his creation. He always fulfills his promises. Uh, the scriptures say he never sleeps. He is always present and active. And this is the foundation for this book and, and pretty much every letter that Paul writes. Uh, in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, at the very introduction of the letter, Paul uh, is reflecting on the partnership he has with the Philippian church. And then he says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is confident that, that God started the, the Philippians on their journey. He started the path, their, their walk on salvation. He started that whole process by sending his son. By, 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 yeah, he started the whole process back, back at creation. He started the process back with, with starting the covenant with Abraham. 
Uh, like God has always been involved uh, in salvation, in the redemption of creation, and he doesn't just let it fall by the wayside. He is an active, engaged God. We see this active, engaged God uh, again in chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, where Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, let your salvation be worked out with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, uh, I used to translate that passage as uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But in my life, I, I, I started seeing how some more legalistically minded people would take that passage and abuse it and say like, ah, you've got to be afraid of God. You've got to fear him and you better get to work. And salvation became a very works-based salvation. But when we dive into the language of the text, and when we look at the Greek, we see uh, that the way that Paul is writing this, he's not so much putting the emphasis of the one working on us. He's actually putting the emphasis on the one working on God. That's why, that's why we go with the transition. Let it be worked out. That's not to say that you don't have a role in your salvation. Like, you must trust God, right? You, you have to give yourself over to him. He won't force you to believe in Jesus. He's a good God. He's a loving God. And love does not manipulate or guilt or browbeat. But he says in verse 13, he clarifies who's the one working. It's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When we lean into the Spirit, when we open ourselves up to the Spirit, that's where God is able to work. That's where God is able to move, when our hearts are not hardened to His ways. And, and magnificent things come when God is faithful and when we lean into His faithfulness. God is alive and active in big ways, right? Like sometimes you see Him in, in that mysterious check that arrives in the mail when, when your bill is due and you don't know where you're going to pay it. I've had this happen where it's just like, I don't know how I'm going to how I'm going to make it through these next few days until payday. And then you find a way because God is faithful. And sometimes God shows up in that dramatic way where, where you're wrestling with an illness and, and, and maybe you endure it and you, you, get, you come through it. There's healing uh, from God. And sometimes God shows up and is faithful by giving us incredible patience to endure troubled times. But God doesn't just show up in the big dramatic ways, right? Sometimes, and, and honestly for me, it feels like more often than not, God's present in the small, quieter ways. I feel the faithfulness of God when the leaves dance in the trees as the wind blows through them. I feel the faithfulness of God when I see kids playing together. And if you're a parent, when your kids are playing peacefully, sometimes that might be the faithfulness of God. I see the faithfulness of God in love and support of my neighbors and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, the faithfulness of God doesn't mean that life is going to be always perfect and easy and you're just going to love it. And if, if, if it's not going well, it's because you're being unfaithful or he's being unfaithful. No, no, no. God doesn't promise that there won't be troubles in this world. If anything, God, Jesus says it, like there's going to be troubles. And the Philippians know what it is to struggle. The Philippians know that they're suffering in their world. They're suffering in our world. And in the days of the Philippians, Paul said he was confident that God would bring his work to completion in spite of 
all of the reasons to think that he wouldn't. And I still believe that's true today, that God will bring his work to completion, both in your life as individuals, but also within the covenant community. We will eventually see the culmination of Jesus's return and to bring about that new creation, that new age where his will is fully realized and experienced. Like all of that is coming. And you can feel it now. Because the church is a now and not yet kind of reality. So, now it's your turn. I want you to take the next few minutes, and we're going to put a timer up on the screen so you know how long you have, to talk about three ways you've seen the faithfulness of God in your life. In fact, I want to challenge you to tell you three ways you've seen the faithfulness of God in the year 2020 and how you saw him working all through all that hot mess. And we'll be back.
And we're back. So now we move from the theme of the faithfulness of God to the next theme, which is the fruitful partnership of love. And yeah, there's alliteration there, faithfulness, fruitfulness. Look, I'm a preacher. It's what we do. We alliterate things. Jacob probably doesn't alliterate as much as I do, but that's because Jacob's not cheesy. Anywho, so anyway, so the faithfulness of God, and now we're gonna talk about the fruitful love of partnership. Partnership is one of the biggest themes in Philippians. Paul talks about it all over the place. You can feel the love that Paul has for, his, for this church, and you can feel the love that they have for him. It, it is palpable, it is tangible. Human beings, we are wired for relationship. We are relational beings. Our understanding of self is often developed in terms of relationships to others. Our feelings of safety, of, feel, of feelings of acceptance, or feelings of worth, they are often connected to our perceptions and what we receive from others because we are wired for it. Even the most introverted of us is not, introverts are not wired for non-relationships. They're just not wired for relationships like an extrovert is. It's, there, there are different ways and that's okay. But we are all wired for intimate, interdependent relationships with each other. We are all wired for this through Jesus. At the very beginning of the letter in the introduction, in Philippians chapter one, verses three through five, Paul says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Every prayer he makes with joy. That's, how, that's the partnership that he has with them. Now, we all have people in our lives that we're, 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 we pray for, but I mean, sometimes we, we don't pray for joy or with joy. We pray for them, but like some of, some of those relationships, you know, you pray because, you know, you're a Christian and you kind of have to pray for people. We don't like talking about that, but that is how some people act. That's how you and I act sometimes. We're not proud of it, but we can own it. And I, and I point that out to, to, to say that what Paul is experiencing with the Philippian church is the exact opposite of that. He doesn't pray for them because he's forced to, because he's like, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, so I've got to pray for the Philippians. No, when he thinks of them, his life is lighter. Food tastes better. Time moves by so quickly. That's how connected they are. And part of the reason why they're connected is that they were partnering with him from the beginning. But, but it's more than just from the beginning. In chapter 4, uh, verses 14 and 15, Paul gives us this little bit of information. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Did you catch that? There were other churches in the area of Macedonia but they wouldn't partner with Paul. They didn't, maybe they didn't trust him. Maybe Paul didn't trust them. It's, it's hard to know. We don't know. But one church stood when the rest wouldn't, and that was the Philippian church. There's so much joy in, in this, this relationship because he stood with them, and they stood with him when no one else would. They're his ride-or-die church. And we all need ride-or-die relationships in our life. 
And the way you live into that, and, and Paul will talk about this more and more, there at the heart of Philippians is, is this great song in chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, that talks about Jesus being, uh, though he was a, uh, by nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. But leading, and you should go read that song uh, in your own time, but, but leading up to that, this is what he says in chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. And there he talks about Jesus. Who, though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be exploited, something to be taken advantage of. But instead, he humbled himself and made himself nothing and took on the, 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 the form of a human and being found in human likeness, he became a servant, he became obedient, obedient even to death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue shall confess on heaven and earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He does all of that, like, like to model, like this is how you find life. You die to yourself. This is how you find ride or die and create a ride or die community, intimate friendships, when each of the people involved stop caring just about themselves and start caring about each other. And Paul talks about, this is all found through all, throughout all the letter. Uh, following the song, he says, do not do everything without grumbling or complaining. There's a verse that you should have leaned into for 2020, perhaps. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. Uh, then he talks about um, Epaphroditus and Timothy. And Epaphroditus and Timothy are models of this Jesus song because Timothy cares for them more than anything else in this world. And Epaphroditus cares so much for the mission of God that he almost died. It's like Paul is saying with Timothy and Epaphroditus, if you want to know what it means to embody the gospel, look to these men. And honestly, and, and yeah, I'm a little biased because he's, he's a buddy of mine, but I think if you want to know what the gospel looks like lived out, you should look to Jacob. That dude encourages me. <laughs> I can't even tell you how, how encouraging Jacob is to me. In the end, the community, the partner, the fruitful love of partnership that we all desire, that Christ has for us, it can only be found if we are willing to die to ourselves so that others may live. So, it's your turn again. I want you to come up with two ways that you can embody that. What can you do in the coming days, in the coming weeks, in the coming months to strengthen and encourage the body of Christ? And then we'll be back.
and we're back. So one of the themes that we looked at was the faithfulness of God. The second theme we looked at was the fruitful partnership of love. And now we're going to talk about finding fulfillment in Christ. Christ is the center of the story. In Christ, we experience the faithfulness of God. In Christ, we experience the fruitful partnership of love. In Christ, He's the source of this partnership, both with God and each other. Christ is the fullest expression of, of everything. To, 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 to look to Christ is to see God. And everything that Paul does, everything that Paul says, everything that Paul thinks, it is born from his understanding of who Jesus is. He centers his identity, his whole self, on being like Jesus. He talks about this in chapter 3. He starts off uh, chapter 3 uh, talking about the being aware of the mutilators of the flesh, the circumcision party. These, real quick, are Jewish Christians who think Gentile Christians should follow Torah and, you know, mostly get circumcised, and it's not good. Uh, and so he says, like, hey, those guys are confident in the flesh. And then, then he lists off his resume. Like, let me tell you, you think they got reason to be confident? Let me tell you about why I can be confident. And then he twists it. And starting in verse 7, he says this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake... I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as waste in order that I might gain Christ. Now he uses the word here. It's the Greek word skubala. I translated it as waste. It's excrement. It's garbage. It's, that's, that's how disgusting he sees his, his former reasons for bragging. Because that's how great Christ is and knowing Christ is. It's in comparison. For Paul, uh, personal success does not matter. For Paul, peer popularity is not the thing that he lives for or is moved for or moved by. No, for Paul, everything is driven by the idea of knowing Christ, knowing the power of his resurrection, suffering and sharing in his death, and somehow obtaining the glory of it all. Paul's focus on Christ leads him to say this later on. Uh, he says, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul does not believe that we need to be held back by shame or guilt. Paul does not believe we need to be obsessed with the past and how things used to be. Now, he forgets all of that. He lets all that go because he, all of that, by the way, the past, it's gone. It's dead. There's no life there. No, no, our God is not a God of the dead. He's a God of the living. He's a God of the present and a God of the future. He was, he's always going to be God, but he wants our focus to be on the now and the later. Because you can't do anything about the then. And so Paul uses this runner's imagery. You know, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward toward what lies at hand. It's this idea of like when you're running a race, I've heard, I've never run a race, just you can tell that by the all of me. But when runners are running and they see the goal, they see the end, they see the victory, and they're like, oh, I'm so tired, I'm so worn. But then they find that strength to persevere. That strength, by the way, for a Christian is the Holy Spirit. In those days that you're tired, you don't grab yourself up and pull by your bootstraps. No, you lean into the Spirit. 
And the reward, by the way, is heaven, but it's not just heaven. For Paul, it's being like Jesus. For Paul, if you want the reward, uh, the upward call is to experience eternity now. And you experience eternity now by living out the way Jesus lived. By serving, by loving, by being peaceful and patient and kind and gentle and self-controlled. Because our God is the God of now and the God of later. Because our mission is for now and also for later. Paul, kind of, you could probably sum up this finding his fullness uh, in Christ uh, in chapter 3, verse 20. He says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That idea of citizenship would have been really important for the Philippians because they, Philippi was a Roman colony filled with veterans. And, and Paul's use of that word citizenship is very intentional. He's saying to them, hey, that, that feeling you have about how you're a Roman and that pride that you have from being in the Roman army, that feeling, that's how you should feel about Christ now. That your sole identity is not being found in the culture around you, but it's being found only in Jesus. And, 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 and because of that, we know that we have a Savior, we have a Lord who's coming to redeem all things. To take our, our lowly bodies and, and make them glorious bodies. That, that, that we will live this new way of existence. Like That's the joy and the hope and the beauty of the resurrection. And it's the resurrection that, that leads Paul and leads us to saying, like, our citizenship's not of this world. It's of the world where God's will is fully realized. Now, you should know that Paul didn't wake up one morning and just completely get all of this. You know, Paul didn't just instantly, boom, Jesus, got it all, perfectly mapped out, huzzah. Paul wasn't perfect. Paul had his flaws. Paul had his mistakes. Paul was shaped, transformed by the Spirit. Paul was a spiritual disciplines connoisseur. He was well-versed in reading and studying the scriptures. He was well-versed in a variety of ways of praying. He was well-versed in fasting. He was well-versed in serving other people. If you want your faith to deepen, if you want to lean into the Spirit, if you want to open your heart up to God, there are things that you can do that do that. Spiritual exercises, spiritual disciplines, forming healthy habits lead to healthy living. And just like, it's just like your soul and your body, you know, they're intertwined. So like, if you want to make your body healthier, you know, you eat right, you exercise, etc., etc. If you want to make your soul healthier, you eat right and you exercise in the spirit. And so one last question for you. What's one habit that you can do or start or continue that'll can help you find your fulfillment in Christ?
And we're back one last time. Like I said, I've spent, I spent the greater part of 2020 in the book of Philippians. And one of the practices that I developed uh, through reading it, or not through reading it, but alongside it in tandem, I guess, is this practice of sitting quietly every day. Taking some time to just be. And part of the reason that I do that is to experience presence and not worry about the later or the past and just be here and now. And if 2020 taught me anything, it's the value of presence. Not worrying about the future, not worrying about the past. You don't have those things anyway, like those are all hopes or fantasies. But you have now. And that's, that's contentment, is to be okay in now, good or bad, knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord, regardless of the situation. And he's got us. So if you're looking for a book, I hope you'll read the book of Philippians this week and, and spend some time in the coming weeks with it. I hope you see the faithfulness of God. I pray that you will find ways to strengthen and encourage the body in Livermore, California. And I believe that you can find at least one, if not more, habits that will help you find the fulfillment in Christ. The fulfillment that you long for and the fulfillment that Christ longs for you. Thank you for this time. God bless you all.